on today's Eastern Conference edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. The Battle of Ontario is all the way back. The fallout of it is a five-game suspension for Morgan Riley. We'll get into the details of that, plus a little Valentine's Day matchmaker as we approach the NHL's trade deadline in three weeks' time. That's all coming up on today's edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Your team, every day. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this week's episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Every Wednesday, we cover the Eastern Conference. You can find Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. We are free and available on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first ticketing purchase. That's concert, sports, theater, whatever it is, tickets at Game Time for the last minute deals at the lowest prices. I'm Ross Levitan. You can find me five days a week over at Locked On Ottawa Senators, and it is the Battle of Ontario edition of the national show. I'm alongside Mike DeStefano of Locked On Maple Leafs, and Mikey, the only thing I wish is that we recorded this on either Saturday night or Sunday morning when things were boiling yeah. hot, but uh, some time has passed, so we don't have to get into the ins and outs, the play-by-play of it all, but uh, your overall impression of how it results in a five-game suspension for Morgan Riley. Yeah, I I thought that it was a little a little aggressive. Like my original thought was, that's probably going to get him two games, three max. I thought, and then when you heard that it was going to be an in person hearing, um, you knew automatically it was going to be five or more. And ultimately, that's what they they ended up giving him. And it sounds like uh, Morgan Riley and the NHLPA are going to appeal the suspension to try and get it reduced uh, to some amount. We'll see if that happens. Those typically are kind of long, drawn-out processes, though, and it could take five games for them to actually get a verdict on that. Uh, But because there's only five instead of six games, they can't do it with an independent arbitrator. So maybe it could be streamlined with Gary Bettman and perhaps could be a little bit earlier. But, uh, yeah, the the latest on this is that it's five games, but they plan on appealing the process. And some of it might just come down to dollars and cents because wasn't it Jason Spezza who appealed and got it reduced, but after yeah. he had served the entirety yeah. of the suspension? Yes. Yeah. He had a six game suspension when he uh, had a collision with Neil Pionk back in. I was at that game. That was two, uh, 22 or that 2020, the year after the COVID year. So it wasn't yeah. the all Canadian division. It was the next year in Winnipeg. That was a, more than just that happened that game. That was a wild Yeah, game. there was the Rasmus Sandin situation as well. Like it was it was a wild game. Um that might have been the anything better than beating the Leafs situation or maybe that game. And they afterward. haven't beaten the Leafs since. No, they have not. But uh it's neither <laughs> here nor there. But yes, that was a, a six game suspension, which did seem aggressive at the time as well. And then it got appealed through an independent arbitrator who then reduced it down to four games, but that was after the six games had already been played. So the Leafs lost Spezza for six games, but Spezza did end up putting uh, two more game checks in his pocket, essentially, uh, or back in his pocket. So that was during COVID-ish times. So independent arbitrator uh, probably takes a little bit longer, possibly because it's only Gary Bettman who gets to decide uh, 
on this one. Maybe that could streamline things and it won't drag out, you know, for two weeks. Uh, that's that's the hope, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, when when it was arbitrated uh, for the David Perron suspension, it was upheld. I think there's another one this year upheld as well. Um, the Department of Player Safety works for the NHL. It'd be a bit of undermining if the commissioner was always just going to reduce or change what his own Department of Player Safety rules on this. I think five games is fair, but I also said on Locked On Senators, I would have been cool with three or more. One for the fact that it happened with five seconds left in the game. So you're getting five in a game for that, a match penalty. It almost feels like, you know, the next game is serving that. I think it's a minor hockey league rule where if you get kicked out in the last five minutes, you're out the next game. But ultimately, it's not a hockey play, which seemed like from watching the video that the NHL put out, that's their rationale for it. I saw a lot of Leaf fans bringing up the Austin Matthews cross-checking uh, suspension to Rasmus Dahlin. What the NHL said was there were grounds for escalation there. Like basically both players were engaged in an altercation and you can expect that an escalation could occur. Whereas this one, you can make the argument really Greg should have expected something coming. Right. knowing what he did and breaking the unwritten rule. But technically, in the letter of the law, there was no rule broken there. He took a slap shot into an empty net. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Ultimately, five games, if it gets reduced, all right, that'd be great. But, um, you know, the Leafs, they, you know, got to buckle down now and they got to play without one of their best players uh, in Morgan Riley. They got a victory last night against the St. Louis Blues. Good team win in game one of uh, of five without Mo. They did it without Marner and Tavares, too. It's actually a very impressive wow. game. Very impressive win uh, over the St. Louis Blues last night. But, yeah, I think the Riley... What, has, has Tavares wow. scored an even-strength goal since November? No, he has not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he has not. Um, he had yeah, two good chances out. early. And I know Ottawa game was very overshadowed from the actual game itself. But Tavares yeah. could have had two in the first period. Tavares could have probably 10 goals by now. I think he leads the league in um, expected goal. Goal scored uh, below, basically. Yeah, goal expected. scored below expected, yeah. So, you know, that's that's something that hopefully can... But there's a bunch of guys, too, like Tyler Bertuzzi on Toronto. That guy's been so snake-bitten. Last night in the game against St. Louis, he had like two or three grade-A chances uh, and just couldn't put the puck in the back of the net. Uh, for whatever reason, that guy just allergic to goals, man. Allergic to goals. It's it's really quite something that there are multiple players on Toronto that are so snake-bitten. Um, but alas, here we are. Uh, but we'll see, you know, without Riley for a few games, luckily the schedule isn't as difficult. There's some winnable games there. They've got Anaheim, they've got Philly, uh, St. Louis again. And, uh, who else do they have? There was a couple other, uh, the coyotes, uh, as well. So those are the four games that they still have. Yeah. Philly, Anaheim, St. Louis, and then the coyotes. And then it comes back just in time. Because you got Vegas, Colorado, Vegas, the three games after. So, Ooh, yeah, that's big time there. Um, speaking of the Battle of Ontario, I, I just wanted a rivalry back. We were calling it the Ballet of Ontario for far too long. There, there hadn't been an emotional game really in recent memory against these two teams. So my only yeah. qualm with the whole situation is that they don't play again for the rest of this season. That would have been something there's this, this is going to carry over. This is certainly going to carry over. I hope that honestly game one of next year between the Leafs and Sens, that should be game one for both teams opening night, get the battle of Ontario going early. 
let the, the, the sparks just absolutely fly, ignite that flame, and let's get her going. Brady Kachuk, he'll be out there. Brady Kachuk wanted a piece of Ryan Reeves. It, it, it looked I think like. it, was, it was as much that as I think he was looking at Mark Kasselik being like, don't engage with them. There's no point. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, if Brady was out there, I bet you he would have probably took exception. I mean, Brady's, he Brady's busy putting the puck in the net right now. Brady's on an absolute heater. Yeah, he, he had a hattie last night too, didn't he? He did. Uh, there's two teams in the National Hockey League that have one regulation loss in their last 10 games. The first place Vancouver Canucks and the 28th place Ottawa Senators who are 7-1-2 and two in their last 10 games. Hey, picking up points uh, after the, the calendar flips. That's what the Sens are all about. Earlier than last year, though, last year it was March that they started winning games. You're not telling February. me that you think that Ottawa still has a chance, do you? No, I I just like covering wins. It's a lot more fun. I'll tell you that right. much. We're we're getting pretty uh pretty low. On uh, we, we we do not only five shows a week at Locked On Senators. We also do post game shows after every game. And the Senators are zero and seven outside the Eastern Time Zone this year, and that's the earliest time zone. That they play in. So we were doing these late night postcasts just getting rocked every single night. So I'm cool with just getting some wins and getting out of the basement. I think last night beating Columbus 6-3 just proves because they were two points separated going into last night. They are such a better team than Columbus. It's not even yeah. close. So yeah, it's yeah. time It's time to get at least back to the pack. And I might have made some wagers with friends that Ottawa would finish higher than Montreal going into the season, which felt like an absolute no-brainer. It was a 16-point gap, and now it's a six-point gap. Ottawa has three games in hand as well. So that's really that's really for bragging rights for me is my next kind of plateau with this team. You, you bring up the, the Montreal Canadiens, though. We got to give some stick taps to Yuri Slavkovsky because this guy's been on fire as of yep. late. I think he's got points in six straight games, um, and he's just been honestly like – He's turning into that star player that they thought that he could be when they drafted him with the number one overall pick last year. Uh, it, it's quite thought, something. Who would have uh, thought putting him with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield would have produced results rather than putting yeah. him on a line with guys who can't get him the puck in the right circumstance? I'm shocked. They had three points apiece last night. Three Against the apiece. Ducks. Can we put a little asterisk there just because it is the Anaheim yeah. Ducks? Quack. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's that is obviously the Ducks. Like what happened when they played? What happened when they played St. Louis on the weekend? They got waxed, but but he got a point. So <laughs> that, oh. that, that's what you got to look at. He got on the board. You you take a look at his last. How many is this? Ten games here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games. Um, he's got points in nine of 11, uh, 12 points through those 11 games, seven goals in his last 11 games for your yeah. Slavkovsky. Not bad. No, he's been great. Not bad. And he's still a teenager as well. Like he, he's got a ton of development and he's the type of player where you're not going to see the completely evolved version of your Slavkovsky until he's 24, 25 years old. He's a big kid. And sometimes it takes yeah. a little while for the hands to catch up. And like last year in particular, this guy was getting hit hard often. Well, he was he hurt with his head down. Yeah. Well, he's skating with his head down a bunch. He was getting caught quite a bit. So he's learning. He was playing on the big ice over in Finland before he came over to the NHL, played internationally, did great at the Olympics. It'll come for him for sure. I'm I'm not uh, doubting him as much as it is to poke fun at the Habs. They've they've got a good thing rolling here. And I know a lot of Habs fans are just 
hoping that they get the chance to get Mackling Celebrini because they're watching the magic that he's creating at Boston University with their own prospect, Lane Hudson, a legitimate star potential defenseman who they drafted in the second round, 62nd overall. I could not believe that he fell that far in the draft. We've got all that coverage for you coming up here, Locked On NHL. You can also follow us, Locked On NHL Prospects, where we've got Hattie Kalakash on the prospect beat. So you can go check that out as we lead up to the NHL draft. I saw, and I, I feel bad for our guy, Jay Forster as well. Um, Locked On Blue Jackets already doing draft profiles halfway through the season, oh. but... It's been that kind of year for the Blue Jackets. They do yeah, have like a yeah. young nucleus. Like like last night they and this season, like your uh David Yurichek still playing in the AHL. Adam Fantilli's out hurt right now. Like those are two like top, top, top end prospects that just aren't there yet. Kent Johnson is play, gonna be a really good player. They just it's not their year. Let's put it that way. Cole Sillinger. I'm hoping Cole no. Sillinger becomes a he's, player. He's not a I, player. I, yeah. I, I, Yet, yet. I'm hoping he becomes a player, though, because I spent some money and I bought some mm. Cole Stillinger stuff. I'm seeing if I can find it really quickly. Well, here, but while you say that, I'll, I'll, I got a little day. stat for you. You know that Cole Stillinger has played 20 more games than anyone else from his draft class? Has he? Last night was his 190th NHL game. Not bad. Hopefully he can start filling the net because I got some rookie autos that I wouldn't mind going up in value for Cole Stillinger. Does it make me a traditionalist loser if I think that him wearing number four as a centerman is kind of weird? That is kind of weird. Now I'm with right? you. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm with Thanks. You. Uh, enough about the Blue Jackets as the Senators have left them in the dust at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Now four points up with three games in hand. I'll take my tongue out of my cheek. And uh, on the other side... I will pucker my lips for a big kiss as it's Valentine's Day. And we're going to play a little matchmaker with the NHL, TSN, and The Athletic. Both put out their most updated trade bait boards. And that means it's time to look at the standings and needs of teams that are selling. And can we find a match for some blockbuster trades? That's all coming up next. You're listening to Locked On NHL. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. I literally just went to the Game Time app earlier today because I'm going to the Winnipeg Jets game tonight. And getting tickets for it was so easy. It took two taps, and I'm right ready to go to tonight's game. Look, life is complex, to say the least. It's not everything that you can plan days, months, years in advance. No way. I use game time because with killer last minute deals, all in pricing and views from the seat, plus their best price guarantee game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. Even an hour after it starts, I'm not recommending going late, but if you're stuck in traffic, if you have to work, you might not make it on time. You can get your tickets after the hour that it starts. It's the place to find last minute deals. They also have exclusive flash deals. So keep an eye out. For those, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. 
Welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators. That's Mike DiStefano from Locked On Maple Leafs. Here with you every Wednesday to chat about the Eastern Conference. Look, I'm interested in the Eastern Conference in particular, but I think for this one, we might be able to stretch things out because East doesn't always trade with East. We got to get some Western Conference teams in the mix and especially looking at Chris Johnson's latest trade bait board. He's got three of his top four out West. Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin, both really solid defensemen for the Calgary Flames. Also both pending unrestricted free agents. That's a theme that will continue on through much of this conversation. Adam Henrique is fourth on his list. Who to you though, whether it's the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, we'll get into teams later on and in the next segment. But which players, maybe not the most big name, but sometimes there's those impact players that get moved at the deadline for like a third round pick. And you're, you're like, come playoff time, they've got three or four big goals. And you're like, wow, who do you think maybe a low-key impact addition could be for a contender? Ooh, a low-key impact. So like not the Tanevs or Gensels or Hannafins, a low-key impact guy. Even a middle um, six guy. Like you you could you could throw a bone to a guy like, you know, Scott Lawton, who's got years left in his contract. Was, I know. That was kind of the player that stuck out to me first was <laughs> me Scott too. Lawton, I would say. I mean, I think he's still a terrific player. Um, you know, he could be a perfect third-line center team that's looking to upgrade I like Toronto that, that could be a perfect place for him to land uh if we're you know gonna move uh it won't go too far into the matchmaker but like that's a team that I see as a perfect kind of landing spot for Scott Lawton um I was I was if I was going like real low-key um I Alexander Carrier in Nashville as a defenseman I think that he could turn out to be a great like addition to a team and really bolster a third pair Nick Sealer potentially could do a similar job Nick Dowd out in Washington I'm not sure if you've been following his season but he's been uh, having a spectacular year for the uh, for the Washington Capitals I think that if someone's looking to add to their fourth line and look for a fourth line center um he's been real solid he's got eight goals 15 points um as a fourth liner kills penalties he's physical hits i think nick dowd is a sneaky addition to a, a, anyone looking for some depth uh on the fourth line that would be one of the very diamond in the rough type of guys and we're at the point in the season now where it's like the the pretenders are starting to realize that it might not be their year for you as the washington capitals that type of team you mentioned nick dowd and hey stick taps alexander ovechkin finally starting to get on a bit of a run here goals in six, six straight. straight games um it's probably not enough, though, for them to make any sort of a run. So would they be looking at even more than just Nick Dowd when they're selling off? Potentially. I would. I, I think that could be the case. Um, as of now, they are six points out of a playoff spot. So they're still kind of in the mix. Right. But I, I still believe that uh, of the teams that are battling for that wild card, they are the team that, that are kind of on the outside looking in. Um, I... I think that they probably will look to to move on from some other guys. Uh, you got to think that potentially um, who's uh, the other 
Anthony Mantha, who's having a decent season for them. He's a pending UFA. Uh, he's finally, you know, scoring some goals this year after a couple of down seasons. A team could be looking to add him as a middle six power forward uh, who could play a heavy game come playoff time, I would think. So, you know, maybe a Nick Jensen is a player that gets moved. I think there's definitely a few guys that they'd be willing to open, be open for business on. Because they also, right now, they have $11.8 million in deadline cap space. And I know there's a bit of an asterisk there with Evgeny Kuznetsov, $7.8 million on the player assistance program. So it doesn't count against the cap right now. But they also have the LTIR relief of $9.2 million because of Nicholas Backstrom. So they're a team that could take on some bad money back or maybe, you know, buy a player who they think next year. Cause they, like we've talked about in the past, they have no futures and I don't think they care to so long as Alex Ovechkin is chasing the uh, NHL's all time goal scoring record, which I believe he's 58 away from like, that's one good year for Alex Ovechkin really. So you look at it from that standpoint and, and they've probably got one or two more years where they think whether they're competing or not, they're probably not going to strip down and look for, um, future assets. So I'm curious right. what kind of trades, which I'm glad you kind of brought up Washington first, because I think they're a team that could be looking for a, a roster for roster move where they get more value, but maybe take some bad money back on an expiring contract as well. So that's always kind of the business side of things when it comes down to it as well. Let's look at the top two defensemen, because we know there's plenty of teams all over that could use defensemen, but two in particular in the Atlantic division, you brought up Toronto. And now, I mean, we're, we're praying and hoping for the best for Mikhail Sergachev. He's not coming back anytime soon. And the Tampa Bay lightning are looking to add a defenseman. Do you want to match make maybe who you think could fit in best with what the lightning are trying to accomplish? I mean, if, if you are the Tampa Bay lightning, and I think I've heard that they've had interest in a couple of these uh, blue liners, but like, it just seems like Noah Hannafin would be the apple of the eye of a team like Tampa Bay, doesn't it? Like, I, I, they just always seem to get good players, and for them to open up that cap space. Now, do they have what it takes to get them? I don't know. They gave up a lot last year to to go out and get Tanner Janot, um, so they don't have a lot of capital and prospect capital, but like they that also, would be a terrific they... addition to that team. They also gave away this year's first round pick along with last one to get Brandon Hagel last year or the year before. Yeah, so like they're, before. they've been spending depth. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing. Like you would think that you are going to be all in if you're the, if you're the Tampa Bay lightning, like you're just, you're at a point where your group is what it is. You've got your core together and you're just going to go all in to try and win for the next two, three years. Like that's, that's what you're looking at that window until, you know, Vasilevsky Kucherov had been really fall off a cliff. Um, while they're still playing at an elite level, you got to always be all in. I think, I don't even think you care about your picks and prospects. You're just competing for the next two, three years to keep that window open alive. And as, you know, as open as possible, I suppose, give you the best chance to win. So I would imagine with this loss to Sergachev, um, I would think that they'll be very active in the uh, in the defensive market and, and target one of those two top D-men from Calgary. I think Hannafin would probably be the, the guy I would go after if I were them. 
Hannafin left shot, Chris Tanev right shot. Now, the reason why I think Chris Tanev, who's 34 years old, whereas Noah Hannafin is 27 and will be in the opportunity to test unrestricted free agency for the first time in his career, Tanev, the wily vet. But um, I've seen some memes about this too. But look, Chris Tanev, and the reason why people want him on their team is because he plays strong, he plays physical, he plays blocks everything. He's just the kind of guy who can be a difference maker during a playoff run. But he also has about an 80% chance of getting seriously injured every single shift. Do you think that that maybe puts some pressure on Calgary to move the asset before a potential? Not saying he will, because he has been durable in his career. But he, I saw a tweet that said he leads the league at leaving down the tunnel only to return later on in the same game. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it happened earlier this year. The dude like lost a couple t- a couple more teeth. And more. <laughs> came, out, came out. I think he had a shoulder injury, popped his shoulder out, went down the tunnel, popped it back in, and then was out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, perhaps that does have to kind of creep into the mind of the Calgary Flames. Uh, you know, the longer you keep him, the more chance there is that he could get injured in one of these games i suppose yeah it's got to be looming in the back of of the mind of uh of uh who's the new gm i'm, I'm blanking on his name conra conra yeah that's it um it's got to be looming in the back of his mind for sure but at the same time you want to make sure you get the best deal possible and that might not come until deadline day where teams get a little more desperate to uh to add that piece very interesting. We'll be keeping our eye on that. More matchmaking next. This is the Eastern Conference edition of Locked On NHL. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NHL players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, futures, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sports book partner of the Locked On Network. And one thing about FanDuel, and I want everybody to go there right now if you want to ride. Right now, Connor McDavid is plus 230 to win the Art Ross. Guy had six points last night. He's only nine points back of Nikita Kucherov. A little spinorama assist, too. Oof. He's so nasty. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. All right. Welcome back. Final segment locked on NHL for Valentine's Day, February 14th. So we talked about some different matchmaking opportunities and the middle six forward market, especially at the wing, I would say is the most saturated part of this deadline. When you look at players like Vladimir Tarasenko, you look at uh, Jordan Eberle, I think is an interesting name. Frankie Vitrano, Nick Dowd, a guy you mentioned. Pavel Buchnevich has been discussed. Now he's a UFA next year, so it would be one of those get him for two playoff run types and maybe a low-key addition. And we are hearing around the National Hockey League that players on the San Jose Sharks are generating a ton of interest. How about a guy who was in the Stanley Cup Finals last year? I think Anthony Duclair would be a nice pickup for a team who's looking to add a guy who can either play on the fourth line and kill penalties or be a guy who can be the third best player on a second line and be on your power play unit. So I think that he could be an interesting guy for certain teams. I I wanted him in Winnipeg. I thought that would be a good match for him. But once they got Sean Monaghan, I think that's kind of their big move. Um, Not that Duclair would be necessarily the biggest move, but what are you thinking about the middle six uh, kind of um, 
clump of talent there. And uh, who would be your crown jewel of it from some of those names mentioned or other guys who might be uh, in the mix, like a Tyler Johnson out of Chicago? Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting name. And, and obviously, Anthony Duclair, um, you know, he's a guy who's had a lot of success in this league, scored a lot of goals in this league, and is not too expensive, just $3 million AAV pending UFA. So something that could easily be fit under the cap for a lot of teams. Um, yeah, there's a couple of names also that, uh, that are, I'm looking at the TSN list right now that, that weren't mentioned. And, and one that comes to mind, which I'm a little surprised to see that he's even on the trade bait board, but it's Warren Fogle out in Edmonton. He's sitting at 31 on TSN's trade bait board. Um, uh, I mean, he's having a, a pretty good year. He's got 10 goals, 26 assists. He's making under 3 million bucks. He's a good penalty killer, good energy guy. And, you know, if you're a team that needs a good bottom six player who can provide a little bit of offense for you and kill penalties, like Warren Fogle could be one of those unsung hero, uh, additions. I, like I said, I'm surprised Edmonton, uh, he's on Edmonton's or he's on TSN's list. I would think that Edmonton would be wanting to keep him, but maybe the UFA status uh, is a reason why they're they're listening on him. But if a team could pry a guy like Fogel, I think that'd be a nice addition to a bottom six. You think he would be a Kyle Dubas type player? Because we keep hearing that they want Jake Gensel, and I think he'd be an awesome addition for the Edmonton Oilers. He would, and I wouldn't be surprised if if he asks, hey, is Fogel available as part of this deal? Bring him into Pittsburgh, get him an extension. You know, you, you bring in, I don't know what it would take, like, their first round pick, obviously, maybe even you get, I don't know, Holloway, McLeod, like there's, uh, would clearly need a lot more than just, uh, Warren Fogel to get that deal done. But certainly I think that could be a, a good match. Good match. I'm, I'm really interested to see what the Pittsburgh Penguins do. They are struggling right now. They can't get anything going in a consistent fashion. They're three, four and three in their last 10 games. And like, yeah, you look at the plus 13 goal differential. They were also one of those teams who slapped a 10 spot on the San Jose Sharks early on in the season. So that'll help that number. But at the same time, like you can't throw in the towel when you have Sidney Crosby. It's much like our conversation about the Washington Capitals. What do you think the Pittsburgh Penguins strategy should be as they enter a very, very awkward deadline? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because if you move Jake Gensel, I don't know how you're going to get better. You know, so it's they've got a decision to make on what to do with Gensel. Um, but at the same time, like you just mentioned it, you've got Sidney Crosby. Like, why would you even contemplate on punting on the season if you've got Crosby entering the twilight of his career, Malkin, uh, Latang, like all of these guys, they're in a very weird spot right now. Um, and I would imagine like over the next three weeks, if if they don't win and get to within because right now they're what seven points out of a playoff spot, but they do have games in hand on Detroit and on uh, Toronto. They got, they've played just 49 games. Detroit's played 52. So they do have three games in hand. If they win all those only one point back of Detroit. Um, so they're not necessarily out of it. And of all of the teams that are on the outside looking in currently, they're actually the only team with a plus goal differential at plus 13 so i i think they still go for it um i i think they hang on to gensel and i think they go for it i think they they become buyers instead of sellers i really do ultimately as, as nice as it would be to get gensel on edmonton 
I think they they stick, they stay, they buy, and make a push for the playoffs. All right. Well, one one of those games tonight is their game in hand. They are the only Eastern Conference game on the three game slate in the NHL, and they've got the the Florida Panthers come to town. So it's not going to be an easy test for the Pittsburgh no. Penguins tonight. Let us know in the comments what trade you would like to see ahead of the deadline. Mikey, final thoughts on today's show? Yeah, we didn't even talk about what the main match made in heaven is on the block and that is jacob markstrom to the new jersey devils markstrom currently the number one number one player on tsn's trade bait board uh he has term left on his deal it's not a guarantee that calgary moves on from him but if you are the new jersey devils you gotta get yourself a goaltender i don't know if you heard jack hughes's comments the other day where he literally just said, yeah, when you get a save, you win games. Weird how that happens. Uh, not quite, you know, that dickish, but he did. It was similar to that. Uh, that was the sentiment, at least. And you bring in a guy like Jacob Markstrom. Um, yeah, I think that would be huge for the New Jersey Devils, who are currently on the outside looking in. So if I'm Jersey, I mean, we've talked about this since the offseason. You give up whatever the hell they ask. You make it happen, and you bring in Markstrom this year and next year and you shore up that goaltending and all of a sudden that devil's team is a scary scary squad the only thing is what kind of message and look the calgary flames fire sale too easy of a pun but like that they're not out of it either when you look at their season like the the no, western conference if, is if so they've already moved on from lindholm if they move on from Tanev and they move on from Hannafin. But even with are. Lindholm, they got back Kuzmenko, who's been producing at a higher points per game than they did in Lindholm this year. Sure, sure. But still, if you move on from those other guys, um, you know, it kind of does say, like, all right, we're, we're punting on the year. Mm-hmm. We'll see what we do next season. And, and I, if you look, they've got that Dustin Wolf kid cooking in the AHL. He is uh, – he can't clear waivers next year. He's going to be ineligible for waivers. So um, they've got Vladar as well in the system. Like they've got three goaltenders going forward. So if they decide, all right, let's see what this Wolf kid has, or maybe they try and go the uh, Vladar perhaps, um, then they just you know move on from Markstrom and try and get good young pieces to build up that team going forward. I think that's a possibility as well. All right, great stuff. We'll continue this. We got two more shows before. Three more shows before the NHL trade deadline, including this one. So this one and two more. And then the NHL trade deadline is March 8th. For more from us, from Mike DeStefano, you can find him locked on Maple Leafs five days a week. I am over at Locked on Senators. We'll be back next week for more Eastern Conference fodder. But for now, we pass it over to Power Rankings Thursday on the Locked on NHL podcast. We're a part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.